Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carvajal. As a teacher, I know how important it is to stay informed and inspired. And that's one reason why I started this podcast. On the Shut Up and Teach podcast, we have honest conversations and purposeful reflections on all things educational with the goal of inspiring you to take action in your classroom. Whether you're a new teacher just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. If it's educational related, we're going to talk about it. So be sure to hit that like and subscribe button so that you can stay updated when new content is released. Now, it's time to shut up and teach. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm so glad that you decided to once again join me for this episode. On today's episode, I spoke with Megan and Kara. Megan and Kara are two educational leaders, professional development experts, and current educators who have a passion to create positive change in education. This dynamic team has dedicated the last seven years to crafting what they call the Integrated Framework. The Integrative Framework is an innovative tool that empowers educators to elevate their instruction and amplify their impact by seamlessly integrating purposeful content into their teaching approach. Through the Integrative Framework, Megan and Kara aspire to redefine the teaching experience, inspiring educators to unlock their full potential. As the dynamic duo of the Integrated team, Megan and Kara have spoken nationally, reaching educators literally from one end of the nation to the other. They've spoken at the Innovative Schools Summit. They've spoken at the Circa Conference, the Thai Conference, the Wyoming Innovative Summit, and the MFPE Conference. Now that's just a small taste of who Megan and Kara really are and what Integrated K-12 is all about. On this episode, you'll get to hear Megan and Kara talk personally about their own educational evolutions, as well as the backstory behind Integrated K-12. We also had a very rich conversation about the Integrated Framework and what that actually is and why each of those pieces in the framework is crucial to making change in education. And of course, you're going to get to hear what my guests are listening to what they're watching, and what they're reading. All of this and more on this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. Now let's get to the conversation with Megan and Kara. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. And hello, Megan and Kara from Integrated. How are you two doing today? Hello. Good. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Hello, Elijah. Nice to be on with you today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, we were chatting before uh, before we jumped on here. Y'all are up in Wyoming. Tell our mm-hmm. listeners what that weather was like, because that was ridiculous. Yeah, it's um, it's insanely cold right now. Um, our Kara was saying that the actual temperature yesterday out the airport was negative forty, and so with the wind chill, it's negative fifty plus. Um, you know, I kind of envision it as if you live in an Arizona, you don't go out in the heat. We're not going out in the cold. <laughs> 
Exactly. Super, super cold. Yes. Exactly. Well, I hope you all stay warm and I hope everybody there is safe and uh, bundles up and has what they need. But uh, thank you both for taking some time today to chat with me. We'll go ahead and jump into our conversation. And I guess we'll start uh, maybe with Megan and then we'll jump to Kara. Um, could you tell us about your personal educational evolution? Sure. Um, so growing up, I always wanted to be in education. I always want to be a teacher. I was that little girl that was always setting up the dolls and doing the things to try to teach. Um, and then my education started teaching in South Dakota um, on an Air Force base. And so that was really, really fun to kind of understand all of that. Um, so through the years, I've really grown. Um, now I'm year 14. So just all of the kids, I taught most of my years in second grade, and I just graduated to to third grade. So um, I'm in the testing realm, you know, and everybody's like, oh, testing's coming. It is. It's a thing. But um, I just really love this this age group of of the second and third grade. It's just such a growing year. So, yeah, that's kind of where I started. May I uh, ask, may I ask oh. before, sorry to interrupt, may I ask what, um, how was it that you ended up on the Air Force Base, like teaching in that? Well, area, so that? Um, in Rapid City, we have, um, we have kind of like out in the Douglas School District area. Um, so all of those kids would get to come into like the public school and then they would have other kids join in. So um, it was just an, an opening. Uh, we had 13 second grade teachers and 14 third grade teachers in one building. So the dynamic of that was was very different. Um, but it was it was really cool to kind of have that different family lifestyle in one one classroom. It really taught me a lot. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Kara. All right. Well, um, I guess I started off as kind of knowing that um, I was going to be a teacher, but kind of rebelling against the thought of that <laughs> um, because um, I come from a long line of educators. And so, you know, I was always just like, oh, you know, I want to do something different. You know, I don't want to do the same thing as like my mom and, you know, all the others that came before me. And um, but then senior year, I actually got to go work um, with an amazing educator and it just totally changed my perspective and my mind and knew like, yep this is what I'm supposed to do. So ended up um, going into the education field um, right away in college and just fell in love with it. Um, and then I actually started off in Wyoming and been here the whole time. So 14 years kind of makes me feel old when you say it that way. <laughs> um, kind of on the cusp of no longer a new teacher and kind of starting into that veteran teacher stage. And um, but uh, I've done the realm of kindergarten, first, second, and now, like Meg said, I keep on graduating. They keep letting me go up. So now I'm in third <laughs> and uh, just really loving um, all the different things you learn at each level. You know, when I first started, I said, I'm never going to teach kindergarten. And that's where I actually got started. That was my first job was kindergarten. And it um, just really opened my eyes. It was a great experience. I would not change it. Um, but again, you know, every grade there's new challenges, but also, um, just some really great learning. And so, yeah, that's kind of where that's taken me. How many, like, do you know how many like generations back in the teaching, like in our, like the teachers go in your family? Cause you said you came kind of from a long line. Yeah. I'd say like probably at least three. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah. It's awesome. So long line of educators um, on both sides of my family, actually. So it's just, you know, you can go to a family event and kind of vent your frustrations and everyone kind of understands and everyone's (laughs) in the same boat. So that's really nice. But, uh, um, and my sister is also an educator. So we kind of come from a family of knowing the the triumphs and the woes of the whole education world. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. another similarity, I guess, that we I just found. Um, my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Grandparents on my dad's side were a teacher. Um, my dad's brother. And then, uh, like, the cousins on my mom's side ended up going into teaching, too. So that was kind of the footsteps I ended up following in. So, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, great to hear. And glad that y'all are enjoying what you do. Um, now let's talk about integrated. It's kind of the, the work that it's the basis of what you do, right? The everything. So, um, give our listeners kind of the backstory, like how did this get started? How did you two get connected? (laughs) Oh man, I think the story's been told a few times on different podcasts, but, um, if you know anything about, about Kara and I, we're very yin and yang people. Um, I'm very extroverted. Kara's very introverted in our ways. Um, and so it, our relationship started, our relationship started in the lounge. Um, Kara was teaching first grade. I was teaching second. We had the same lunch. Um, I had this great idea that I wanted to start running, um, like marathons. Mind you, I wasn't a runner before that. So I really like to dive, dive right into the into the the goal. Um, so I asked anybody in the lounge, does anybody want to start running with me? I feel like this would be easier if we had had someone. Um, and so poor Kara, she, she doesn't really say no, she's very, very kind. Um, so we started running together. Um, and what better, better thing to do than to kind of like have conversation and get to know each other when you're running literally hours at a time. So um, that kind of started with that. Um, and it, through that relationship, when Kara got to move up to second grade with me. Um, we started feeling that like five year, six year feeling of this is a lot. How do we do this better? Um, we were doing some work with the University of Wyoming. Um, we are creating a science curriculum for our district. And we just kind of felt that that teacher of we don't need to give them one more thing. They won't do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to sit here and do this amazing work and know how purposeful it is if they're not gonna even even open the box or the kit. So um, we try to figure out a way to help teachers incorporate our science um, and that they almost have to. So we started that process of integrating, you know, science and reading together. Um, and then in our own classroom, we, we started kind of messing with that. And how can we put things together that was more purposeful? How can we enjoy walking in the classroom every day and not feeling quite so stressed to meet all the needs and requirements? Um, and then we started seeing student growth. Mm-hmm. So it kind of became became this like evolution of ahas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we thought, you know what, let's just start sharing it with other teachers and see what happens. And that's when it boomed. So yeah. We didn't know we would be in this position. No, we never really expected it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, we were really just trying to, honestly, just for ourselves, selfishly at first, just like, how can we make this better? Not just for us, but for the kids. Because, you know, like, engagement was low. And, you know, you you know, you know try to put on, you know, the whole 
um, you know, acting circus act, you know, try to get them into what you're doing, but you know, it just kind of fell flat and we're like, what's, what's missing. And so we really just try to dig into that. And then once we kind of found our groove and we found what was actually working, we're like, Oh, well, like, let's just go talk to them real quick. Maybe that will help them. And then like Meg said, it just kind of blossomed into integrated what we have now, which we never expected. (laughs) So, um, we've kind of been, you know, the carts before the horse type of situation where we're trying to catch up and, you know, learn all the different sides to what this is becoming, but it's, um, it's been fun. It's been a fun adventure and journey so far. And, um, we feel really blessed with all the educators we've been able to, um, speak to and help. And, uh, it's been, so that's kind of the evolution of integrated and how Meg kind of wrote me into being her friend at first (laughs) and, uh, um, how it kind of came to be. Yeah. Now she can't let me go. I'm a lifer. (laughs) Hey, that's, that is exactly how introverts make friends, right? The extrovert comes and wrangles them in and then they get so attached that introvert, like I'm an introvert too, Mm -hmm. big time. So yes, I totally, totally agree with that. Um, As with, uh, as with all my guests, you know, like I do like a little bit of research, you know, check out websites, stuff like that to kind of help sort of um, guide my questions and sort of thing like that. So one thing I was, I was fascinated with um, on your, your website um, which uh, is integrated K12, correct? Integrated K12.com. Yep. yep. So on, on y'all's website, I found um, your framework sort of mm-hmm. for um, like approaching this, like this idea of like changing things, right? Changing mm-hmm. education. Like you said, how do we make this work? Mm-hmm. And uh, I love that framework that you have of confronting the norm, challenging the norm, and then finally changing the norm. I love it so much. So, but I, I had some questions about that. How do you approach the task of confronting the existing norms in education? That's a big task. Yeah. Um, it's mindset mm-hmm. at first. Ah, okay. um, you know, you, you, can't, you can't go into this kind of work thinking it's not going to work. I don't understand. You just, you have to have an open mindset of almost that feeling forward. Um, you know, like I said, when we first started talking, like I said that I'm kind of like a jumper in, like I'm going to go uh, head first in the deep end and hope that it works out. And if it doesn't, I'm going to figure out the floaties that, that get us there. But um, I think the mindset comes first and changing the way that we've done um, our instructional practices in the traditional classroom and changing it in the way that it makes us feel just a little bit more uncomfortable so that growth can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so we kind of, we, we had very, um, deliberate names for the framework and we put, um, confronting first because that's what you really truly have to do with your mindset. And because you think of, you know, how we grew up, um, in the classroom and how that instruction was given. And then the, any of the, you know, college education or the trainings or practicums, whatever it might be it literally mimicked what we saw when we were in, you know, in school ourselves. And so, um, you know, technology has come around and all these different things, but how we deliver instruction in the silos truly hasn't changed. Um, And so we put confronting first um, solely to first, truly, like Meg said, work on that mindset and really coming to the understanding of, you know, it really hasn't changed a lot. What would happen if we do 
make it look different? What would happen if we slowly start trying to um, uh, take down the silos and what would instruction look like? How would the kids react? And so um, that's kind of where confronting came from. And we also kind of looked at it too, as of, um, you know, like, especially now you think um, New Year's was just around the corner and everyone has all these goals. And a lot of time it's, you know, to get to the gym, work out all those things, you know, first you have to get into the right mentality and to the right mindset of this is what I need to do. And you kind of take those small steps and you get up to the bar and, you know, the first step is just getting to the bar, right. You know, before you start lifting, you have to get there. You have to um, have that foundation and that starting point. And so that's where confronting came in. Yeah. And I think it just kind of builds up as you go. Once you have that mindset of, I'm going to give this a go, it's different, maybe it'll work. And you know what, as educators, we are amazing at that. Mm -hmm. You know, we are always given new things. The pendulum always swings (laughs) and we're like, we're going to hop on that one and give that one a go. And so um, we have found in this work that educators are very receptive of this because they see the the change and the passion almost instantly, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then so confront, you're confronting it. And then the challenging part, um, challenging the norm becomes a little bit more because you're adding more integrated subjects together. Mm-hmm. It feels more than just doing science and reading together. Mm-hmm. You know, that one's very common, but now you're putting more things together. It starts to feel a little bit like, am I doing enough? Um, because as teachers, we always have, we have this, um, this visual of the plate spinner. Um, okay, so the guy that tries to get all the plates spinning on, and then you, you get one spinning and you go to try to do the other one and you have to run back and do the other one. So we have this analogy of like, how do we keep all these plates afloat in education? We have all of these things that we're always holding on to. And so the challenging part comes into changing, you know, adding more, but really it's taking taking some of that away as well. You're finding the plates that um, work together and stacking them together. And so that way you have less to try to keep up. Um, And at first challenging, and we felt like it was a fitting name because it can feel like a challenge at first because it's so different. And so, um, and doing the work of digging into the standards and understanding, you know, the content and how you can um, seamlessly put all those together. So it does become a little bit of a challenge, but we also share with our educators that um, this is the level where you really, truly start to see kids shine and you really, truly start to see kids growth and the data, you will notice it, you know, like we we love data, but it's not something that we like try to shove because it's not something, you know, as educators, we're like, it's good to know that you have it, but we don't want to like shove it down people's throats. But like you will notice it and you will also notice that um, you enjoy going into your room and teaching a little bit more. You will see kids excitement. You know, we had kids coming in like, what are, are we going to get to work on this today? Like they're super excited for all the things that um, are coming just because Um, we've noticed that, you know, you're taking some of the kids' strengths, you know, they really enjoy like the engineering or the science or even math or whatever it might be, but yet you're still slipping in those reading and writing strategies and they're working on them, but it's not their sole focus. So it's almost like you're strengthening their weakness without them even realizing it. And so you get a lot less pushback, um, from those students as well. Yeah. A lot less behavior. Yeah. yeah, a lot of buy-in from the students, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I just want to say I love this starting place of we confront our like our own mindsets, right? Like it's got to start very like. Do you feel like it's a very personal thing, like to go through this? How how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, you know, when we first started speaking about this, it we would get both from educators, almost like they're upset. And then they're really joyful. And so you were like, what, when, what, when are we going to run into today? And, you know, it's hard on the receiving end because in education, I feel like we just, in this, in this world, we just lift each other up all the time. How can we be helpful? You know, how can we support you? How can we, um, you know, just get that. And so I think it does. It's very personal at first because you're thinking, but I was taught this way. This is what I'm supposed to, this is how I'm supposed to do it. And then that other side of, have I been doing it wrong for these kids? Have I hurt these kids? You know, it, oh my gosh, it's my fault. And, and really, um, I struggled with that for a little bit in the beginning thinking, oh my gosh, I should have never taught like that. I could have done better. Um, but, but you, you grow so much in this work that you can, you can start feeling the change yourself. Um, and then you, you, be, you have that like proud feeling, um, and that you're doing what you think is best. Um, not necessarily what, what the scripted curriculum says. Yeah. And we never want to make an educator feel like they're doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Like we, we know educators are just simply trying to do their best for their kids. And, um, doing it in a way that they have been trained or taught. And like, we, we completely understand that. And so, um, it is kind of a personal thing when you, you know, start confronting and, you know, for me, um, I am a very much, I'm a firstborn rule follower. And so when you, we started this work and looking at it differently at first, I was like, kind of like what Meg said, but, but like, that's not following the rules. Like, you know, like that's not following what, you know, quote unquote, they told me to do, you know, in my training type of thing. So it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to come to that, you know, coming into that growth mindset and just realizing like, um, you're not breaking the rules. You are simply just giving kids instruction in a different way. And, um, trying to give them instruction that will most benefit them. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Do you think, I mean, every, every educator is going to benefit from, from what y'all have to say here and from your work with them. But man, I like, I wish I had this as like a first year teacher, because like <laughs> you said, it's the way we get taught. And so, you know, you see what your mentor teacher does during student teaching, you get the, mm -hmm. you know, the instruction from the college professors, but there's a lot that I've learned over time that I'm like, man, I wish I had this as a first year teacher. Um, do you guys do anything? I mean, I know, again, you reach out to everybody, but do you get a lot of feedback from first year teachers? What's that like? Um, I think when we speak, we get a variety, but we do get a lot of, you know, well, I'm in, I'm the first couple years in. And if we, you know, educators listening and us, if that first couple of years are like, have I made a terrible mistake? <laughs> you know, it's hard. It's hard. Um, but we, you know, Elijah, we have this, we have a cohort that we, we make it relatively inexpensive because as educators, we want to give as much as we can. Um, and so it's a, it's a year long, a year long cohort. We meet once a month, they can 
were literally in the back of your pocket at any given second um, to help build those units or build the mindset around it or how do we how do we do this? Um, so we have resources available and honestly, we have teachers emailing us very frequently. Um, you know, we're starting this unit. How would you do this? Um, and we're just, we're just here because the work that we're doing in our own classrooms was so beneficial that we just want to get it out there as much as we can. And those first year teachers, um, honestly, they, I mean, if you think back, you know, you're like, it's one of those years where you just try to keep your head above water. Um, but they actually come to us very um, excited and like more open and willing than um, some that are, you know, further, further ahead in their educational career. And I think it's just kind of one of those things, you know, when we were first starting, like we would, you know, take on anything and everything just because we're trying to find your groove. You're trying to find what's best for kids. And so we've had um, really good success with those first year teachers and we've had them. Um, we always encourage the cohort with them just because we can really give them that one-on-one -on -one guidance and um, it's been really beneficial for them. And so they found that um, very helpful. That's awesome. Uh, tremendous. I love it. Um, in the process of changing and well, challenging and changing these educational norms, what role does collaboration play? <laughs> and how do you how do you ensure? Because y'all, I mean, you, you're the integrated team, right? So y'all have maybe not perfected, but y'all have got this down pretty well. So, what role does collaboration play, and how do we ensure that it's that organic collaboration? Yeah, um, you know. Collaboration is huge. Mm -hmm. It's very huge. I think, you, you know, even if you weren't trying the integrated framework, you in education, you have to collaborate, you have to put your brains together um, and just kind of listen, listen in on what they're saying and how can you respond. Um, I was just talking about um, this topic with um, on a podcast that I'm co-hosting, but we were talking about generational um, like generational mm, teachers almost. So we're working with a, a fantastic educator right now. Um, she's on our team and she is uh, in the first part of her education career. And um, Kara and I were ones that would show up early, leave a little bit later. And we're like, why, why are we doing this? And she said, I remember her saying it like, why do you come so early? Like, what are you doing? I, I don't know. I'm honestly, I'm not sure what I would do more. So in the 30 minutes that I got here earlier than what I do at eight o'clock. So um, just kind of that mindset of like that more purposeful. And so collaborating with someone that has a different approach to that and just like sitting back and kind of listening and see like, what can I gather from this and how can I, how can I input what I know and just kind of come together you know, Karen and I, as much as integrated as we are, we will be saying the same thing in a different way. It'll take us 10 minutes to be like, we're saying the same thing. It just sounds different. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, and especially as a duo speaker, um, you know, you just have to be very purposeful for, for your conversation. So collaboration is huge. I think that our work does really well in the elementary uh, setting because we teach all of the subjects. Um, we're responsible for all those. However, it is very doable in, in your middle school, high school, if you can have that collaboration mm -hmm. um, take place, because it won't start otherwise. Yep. Yeah, we always tell the, you know, speaking with some of the junior high, high school admin, 
um, when they're, you know, when they're speaking to us, we're like, it is absolutely doable, but you have to provide your educators time to talk with each other and not just, you know, your English department. Like you have to give them time to talk um, amongst themselves in some way, shape or form. And so, um, like you said, collaboration, it is key. We have worked with educators that are, we have uh, rural schools here in Wyoming that are literally, it's just themselves for, you know, like K2 or K3. Mm -hmm. And so they only have a handful of teachers, but even then we encourage collaboration just of like, um, you know, what do you want these kids to have coming to you? You know, if they're, my third grader is moving on to the next um, teacher, you know, so that way there's just, you know, clear communication across the board and, you know, you know, more, more brains put together, yeah. the better, you know? Um, so, and that's why we also really enjoy the cohort too, because mm-hmm. you literally create your own little group and it's a safe space for, you know, questions and ideas and brainstorming and all sorts of stuff. So, um, Hopefully that answers your yeah. question. A little family. I feel like we might have gone off on a tangent a little bit, but hopefully that answers your question. <laughs> but no, you mentioned like like a family, and I think about like relationship building, you know, even with, you know, among that group of people. And like you said, it should be a, a wide, ver, you know, wide range of people if possible. Mm-hmm. You said different perspectives, right? You're going to get a different perspective from, you know, the special education teacher than you will from the gen ed teacher, from the PE teacher, right? Whatever. So having those like different sets of eyes on that, whatever it is you're collaborating on, I think just goes so far. Do you, do you guys agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think too, when you say like PE teacher or this one, that is huge. We like to involve our special um, specialists as much as we can, as far as arts and, you know, part of our framework is learning pathways. Um, so I'm very big into, um, the arts, the visual arts, anytime that I can make a mess with my kids, um, I'm all about, um, so how can we, you know, have, when they go to those places, how can they bring value back to the classroom? Yes. That's so cool. Um, so I, I have a, about one more question and then we're going to wrap up with our three part here. But um, this one kind of goes back. I was thinking about this as we were getting ready for our conversation today. It was a little while ago. um, There was something y'all had posted about close reading. Y'all remember that? Yep. And I kind of, I kind of challenged it a little bit and I may have come across pretty harsh on that, but I was thinking about it as as I was getting ready for this, for this conversation here. And I was looking back with, what I know now is close reading can look different, like from school to school. And then I've seen it even within class, even just different classrooms, it could look something completely different. So everybody's probably got this different idea of it. So um, maybe I misunderstood your message because of some misconceptions that I have. So do you guys want to take time to maybe clarify what you meant in that? I know it had to do with, um, close reading and all that. So I'll give you guys the mic again and let you guys speak to that. Yeah, I have to think back of the post, but um yeah, I'm I'm trying to think. But just to kind of play off of what you were just saying though, I think a lot of times too, um in education, a lot of times we're always, you know, we're wanting to help, we're wanting to try to support educators. But you know, in the social media side of things, people can um it's hard because 
you know, they see one thing, but it could be translated into so many different things. And so we, we were literally just having this discussion, like what yesterday, today, sometime about just, you know, um, giving clarification on like what, you know, um, it actually is like, we were talking like, you know, we were talking guided reading. Well, like what's your definition of guided reading? Cause what we say guided reading is could be something very different than someone else. So I think in education, we have all of these buzzwords, but actually digging into like, well, what's your actual definition of it? What's our definition of it? And then bridging the gap in between those. And so I think that's, it's a great question because I feel like that's kind of the, the situation of what happened, you know, with what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we did have, <clears throat> we had 23 instructional strategies to stop in 2023. You know, we did this ebook and I think the the purpose of that was to stop and literally think about what you're doing in your classroom. Is it purposeful? Mm-hmm. We're very big on that word purposeful. If what you're doing is just taking up time so that you can post a very cool picture on wherever, is it really purposeful for yourself in the time that you're taking to do it? And is it purposeful for your kids and what you're doing with that? Um, as far as like close reading, you know, it's kind of coming back to me, room transformations, things that are coming in that, um, you know, uh, if if you're sitting and you're just rereading the book three times to just reread the book three times, it is that purposeful in your instruction? You know, is that really giving students what they need? Um, room transformations. Um, I was just kind of thinking about this. Uh, our vodcast coming up to teach or not to teach. Um, you know, one of our topics might be about that. And is it a room transformation or is it just a decoration? You know, are you are you using, um, is your room literally just transformed into something else? I think as you do a pirate theme, correct? Yeah. The last classroom I had was a, uh, branded classroom is, is pirates. Yeah. Everything That's so cool. And so I guess we were talking like, um, for me, like, I guess in my head, like I think, oh, that's theme. Right. And, mm-hmm. but other people are like, no, it's a room transforming. I trained it all. So I'm like, oh, that comes back to just clarifying like what we all mean by mm-hmm. that, I guess. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I think that post you're talking about, I guess we're, you know, we're, we're not saying that, you know, close reading is a bad thing, but we're looking, we want you to just look at your purpose behind it. And like, what are you truly trying to have your kids gain from it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause we, um, with our integrated framework, of course, we have our kids digging into text, you know, um, all the time. Um, it just might look a little bit different than somebody else's definition of it. And so, um, that's why you come see us. So hopefully that that's answers a, but that goes, but it connects back to that. Like you have to confront it first, right? It goes back to your framework of you have to actually confront it first and then challenge it before you can expect that change. And the challenge I'm hearing in all this is it, like you said it multiple times, it just has to be purposeful. Like, what is it that you want your students to actually get from this? Or are we just going through the motions of close reading? Exactly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Or the instructional strategy. (laughs) Yeah. Or yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, So I appreciate, I appreciate that answer. It's uh, I appreciate that clarification. And, um, just thank you again for for your time today. It's been a wonderful conversation. We're going to wrap up here with our three-part question. So our listeners want to know what you are listening to, what you are watching, and what you are reading. And I'll let 
let Kara start this time. first. Me? Yeah. You you, oh, man. Throw me under the bus. Okay. Um, <clears throat> listening, watching, reading, right? Okay. So right now, um, listening, I'm actually not um, listening to any new podcast at the moment, but I'm going to go towards the music, um, side of things. And, um, lately I've been really into, um, like the whole vibe of like, you know, Lauren Daigle, like that whole, you know, more, um, I don't know, like acoustic. I, I don't know how to describe that, I but like, like, but it's a, it's like an atmosphere. Cause I know Lauren Daigle. Yeah, and she's um, she's so, phenomenal. So yeah, I get what you're so, saying. Great voice, but also like the whole um with the instrument, like the whole vibe behind that. Um, I've been really enjoying lately. So like that's kind of what I've been listening to lately. Um, and you know other artists um similar. Um, reading. Um, I'm gonna sound you know not super professional at the moment, but I've been reading a thriller. <laughs> um it's called um you shouldn't have come here and mm -hmm. so uh it's mm -hmm. kind of a kind of cool because it's supposed to be it's based um off of being in wyoming and so uh picked that up mm -hmm. and so that's been my new read for the new year and then watching watching. watching oh man um we've been throwing it back at our house and we have you know back into the 90s we've actually been watching reruns of home improvement Oh, I don't know if nice. you, yeah, yeah. You know, remember that show or know that show, but uh, I grew up watching it. And over Christmas break, I saw it on one of our streaming services, and I was like, "I'm going to rewatch that." And so <laughs> that's what we've been um, watching just in our free time. That's so. fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So listening to. I I want to love podcasts. I want to love to listen to these things, but I just don't. I don't know. I don't really have like a commute as to work. As you're on one. As I'm on one. I'm so sorry. Um, I don't hey, know. You know, you know what though? Lil Wayne doesn't listen to his songs after he records them. That's he, true. He doesn't. I, so it's okay. You can be on podcasts and we'll I think allow it. My excuse is I just don't have like a commute to listen to them without like children. So I have four children and um is they're you know ranging five to 14 i i'm always in the car but yet i'm never not busy i don't know it's the weirdest thing um so i really don't listen to a whole lot but um i like it quiet i know that doesn't help um and so okay what am i watching <laughs> well um i have a five-year-old so you know crudes little mermaid i mean and then it's kind of in the background that i'm doing my thing um but reading is kind of where i i think i kind of put all that in because um, I like to do a personal thing and a professional. Uh, so my personal books are psychological thrillers. Um, they're kind of my jam. And then uh, professionally reading, I'm rereading Mindset, the growth mindset and closed mindset book. Um, rereading that one right now. And then um, how to make an impact with your words. So, you know, just kind of those, those types of books, I guess. I love yeah. books. Mind, mindsets is a phenomenal book um that's carol carol dweck right yes yeah that's a phenomenal book i totally changed my life yeah it's um, a great so, reread too so even if you've I read have it to go back and check it out yeah, yeah. i'll add it to the list because i'm trying to read trying to read more so I'll yeah add it that's to the funny list. we were just talking about that because each of us um 
It's like one of those things where like you feel you do a lot of reading for your work, but yet you feel like you don't read enough type of thing. But I think it's just more like, you know, reading for yourself. And so yeah. we both have a goal of just reading more for ourselves. And uh, so that's kind of funny because now my my want to read list, I literally have to scroll on my phone because I wrote so many books down that I want to get to. <laughs> yeah. Another one that you should read if you haven't, Elijah, is The Knowledge Gap by Natalie Wexler, I believe. It's blue. Okay. Yeah. It's not okay. like a, you know, easy, it's an easy read, but it's a mind, like mind thinking read. I don't know. It's yeah. very, it's pretty good though. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's deep. You got to think on it on a different level. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Nice. I love it. Well, Megan and Kara, thank you so much for your time today. I have appreciated this conversation and both of you. Um, how can our listeners find you too or integrated um how can they get in contact with you and all that yeah yeah well like you said before our website uh www.integratedk12.com um there's links to our email and all that on there as well and we are also on all social media platforms uh facebook insta twitter um linkedin linkedin <laughs> we're at our name is at integrated k12 so if you want to hit us up there that's where you can find us yep Great. Thank you. I appreciate both of you so much. Thank you once again for being on the show. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for, for having, having us. Great. Listeners, I hope that you connected with this uh, message today. I know that I learned a lot today from Megan and Kara. And so please, please check out what they have to offer. Um, share this with a friend so that more folks can get in contact with them and just hear about the wonderful things they're doing. Thank you once again, everybody. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I hope that you'll check out previous episodes, and I hope that you'll share this with a friend or a colleague.